you're listening to MOD Channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG channel where we help you to see real and practical Christianity from God's word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today we're going to be continuing our series on the book of Romans. We're in chapter 2 right now. And we've been doing this line by line, verse by verse explanation of God's word. And the reason for that is, well, that's actually how it should be done. But another thing is that when you look at how we are studying it, you'll be able to better apply it to your own Bible study time and then you'll become a better and more effective student of God's word. Because if you think about it, when you can understand the lines, the texts, the meanings, the way to apply them, you will definitely become much, much better. All right. So we've been looking at Romans and we stopped at verse 16. Okay. We were from like verse 11. And we move down to verse 16. And the summary of yesterday was the fact that the law was written in the hearts of men. In other words, Paul is explaining the fact that God's law is not just written in tablets of stone. It was also written in the hearts of men. Because, you see, he's talking about the Jews and talking about the Gentiles. And he's trying to explain that nobody has an excuse, right? No one has an excuse. To the Gentiles or to those who don't have the law, right, he was saying you can't say that there is no God. In fact, he starts in Romans 2 verse 1 saying you are inexcusable, oh man, right? There is no excuse, right? In Romans 1, if you read down, he also says it too, that there is no excuse so that men are without excuse. You can't have an excuse to say, oh, I didn't know there was a God and I didn't know that he had a standard. No, God is, you know, telling us through Paul that there is a standard. There is a universal moral standard that God will use to judge every single man and woman. And so he said that that law is First of all, you can look in nature and infer that there is a God. That you can also look inwardly and realize that you have a conscience that actually knows what is right and what is wrong. And that conscience can judge you and that conscience can also permit you and say, okay, this is fine, this is not fine. Every man has that moral compass on the inside. So no one can say, I didn't know. When you die, you know, meet God, you can't say, I didn't know. Then he also moves to the Jews who have the laws of Moses. And he says to the Jews, you guys have the law. Everyone else has it in their hearts, in their conscience. And through nature, they can look and see there is a God. In your own case, God has revealed himself to you. You know, God came to their father Abraham, right? And made a covenant with him. And part of that covenant was the seal of circumcision. He introduced circumcision. The idea was you are a special people, so all your meals will be circumcised. And then you now see that progression, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that promise keeps going down um, that lineage and then gets to Moses. In the time of Moses, Israel has already become a nation and God reveals his righteous standard. He reveals the law to them. The Ten Commandments on that mountain is revealed to them clearly. So they have the law given to them, the oracles of God, the speakings of God, the righteous standard of God is revealed to them. But now, we're going to 
realize as we go on, we're going to find out that Paul is actually setting us up. <laughs> He's not actually letting us um, gloat. Oh, that's when I say us, I'm talking about the Jews. He's not letting them gloat that, oh, you have the law. Oh, you're fine. You're good. No. He first of all goes to the Gentile, the one who doesn't have the law at all. And he finishes the guy. He says, you are without excuse. He says, God's righteous anger, God's wrath is revealed against all unrighteousness, especially to those who suppress the truth. He's trying to explain there is truth. There is a moral law. And all of you have to realize that you are all under sin. You are sinners because you cannot keep it. He begins to bring it out clearly that, look, there is lying, there is stealing, there is all those things right and that men choose to do those things because you want to reject god like you reject god and you reject god because you want to do those things and you don't want to have to be held accountable however he's also helping us to know that it doesn't matter whether you want to be accountable or not there is a god and his righteous standard has been revealed okay so then he also helps man to see that in romans 2 Paul helps us to see the hypocrisy of a person who will not acknowledge God or his righteous and divine, you know, judgment or standards, but you want to judge other men by the same standard, which is, okay, I don't know, it's okay to offend God, it's okay to live my life anyhow and offend the one who made me, even if I don't want it to be true that there is a maker, but then I want others to be held to the same standard. And this is a very big dilemma for those who say, that they are without God. Every man has that moral compass. Because some people now take it to seem like, okay, because I I am I'm an atheist or I'm not a Christian, but I seem to be living a good life, right? I I I try my best to do what is right, so I'm fine. But no, back to the point. You are only in that place of recognizing what is right and wrong because God Himself put a moral compass inside you. That's why you're at that place. And it should actually lead you to know, rather than it to make you proud and boastful that, oh, I'm fine, I don't need God. It should make you realize, ah, there's right and wrong, there's good and evil. And if I can want to hold someone, right, who wrongs me to a standard and have that person judged, that means that there is one that will definitely hold me. There is the one, the righteous one that will hold me to a standard. Like, literally hold me to a standard. And Paul explains that there's going to be a time and in the end when everybody will be judged based on this moral standard. So, that's the, will I say, the gist of the summary so far. Alright? And so, we're now going to move down to uh, verse 17. So Paul continues, after helping them to see that the Jews and Gentiles, all of them, that all of you have that witness of God and the fact that there's no one, you can't, you're inexcusable, there's no impartiality with God. This righteous law or standard is both to Jews and to Gentiles. Then he moves down to verse 17. He says, indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law. By the way, I'm using the NKJV, right? The New King James, because King James is King James. The English is Old English. Nobody talks like that anymore. And there are reasons to use the King James, but I won't go into that. But then the New King James to me is much more palatable and much more digestible. So verse 17, indeed you are called a Jew. So he now starts to narrow to the Jews. He has finished the Gentiles. He now comes to the Jews. Indeed you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God. So he's saying that the Jews, right, they rely on the law. They make their boast. That is their pride is in God. Oh, we know God right and i mean they have a point because jesus 
meeting the Samaritan woman later said that you Jews, that we Jews worship what we know, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. It says salvation is of the Jews. So obviously the Jews, God has revealed himself to them. So there's a place of, how I put it, boasting in God. Ah, we know God, right? And verse 18 says, and know his will, okay? And approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. So, in other words, they have the law as a guide. They have the law as God's revelation to them. God has made things clear and visible to them. He says, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind. So, they are confident. There's something about, and it's quite ironic because you're going to see later the real purpose of the law, that the law is not to make you confident. But they are confident. Oh, we have the law. And in fact, when it just came, you will see how confident they were in the fact that they had the law. That day, you know, they were, how like, they were keeping the law, they were obeying the law. I mean, nothing wrong with that. The only problem is that nobody could actually keep the law. I think I said yesterday that if you break one, Galatians 3 explains that, if you break just one, you've broken everything. That's how the law is. Is either you keep all or you keep none. God's righteous standard is that either you keep everything or you are a transgressor. If you break just one, you are a transgressor. One alone is a serious violation or serious offense. So he says, and are confident in yourself as a, are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babies, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. So you see the cockiness, the confidence of the fact that I have the law. God has given us the law, right? We are going to see he didn't give us the law to keep. In that sense, he gave the law for a certain reason, to reveal his standard. But that thing was supposed to do something to man because man is in a depraved state. Man is in a sinful state. Man is in a state where he cannot keep that law. Not even a chance. Alright, verse 21, it says, You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? So you see, he begins to calm down. He has finished establishing the fact that this Jew is self-righteous. The Jews, actually, that law, they allowed the law to make them, um, how will I put it, to puff them up, to make them feel like they are something before God. It says, but you who teach the law or teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? So what does he do? He begins to turn that same law back on them because he begins to help them to see the purpose of that law. So he turns that law back on them because normally what people like to use the law to do is to flog other people, right? Just the same way we had the guy at the beginning of Romans 2 that wants to judge others. You now come to the Jew. Okay, you, the Jew, you have the law. But it says, you, do you actually look at that mirror do you actually use that law on yourself or is it just good enough to be applying to others and everything and establishing your self-righteousness you see paul's issue is man's self-righteousness thinking that he can be his own moral agent and do what he wants and go his own way so even with the law god has revealed to them people can still try to hide in the sense that it's <laughs> rules for thee and not for me you get so he says he says you therefore who teach another do you not teach yourself you who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? Are you seeing that? He's bringing it to their doorstep. You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? That means it's not enough to just enforce the law on others. How about you? It says, you who abhor idols, you rob temples. Verse 23, you who make your boast in the law. Are you seeing that? You make your, the problem is your boast. You are boasting, you are confident in the law. 
He says, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name, he now begins to quote a text from the Old Testament. He says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. So, it was written that you guys are actually one reason the Gentiles want nothing to do with God because the way you claim that you have, um, how will I put it, is it solidarity with God? You, you are in God, God's good books. God gave it law. You are custodians of the law. But you guys are the number one breakers of the same law. Are you seeing that? So he, there's a big problem there. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So what is he saying here? He's saying that um, circumcision is, as I said, the seal that God gave Abraham to mark them as a special people, mark him and his descendants as a special people, the Jews, all right? But he's now saying here that that circumcision, that mark is only profitable if you actually keep the law. Actually, you now see, I think Moses again introduced it as a law. So he's saying it is only if you keep the law that it's profitable, right? So if you like, be circumcised, oh, we are, we are God's people, but you are a breaker of the law. He said it doesn't mean anything. He says your circumcision has become what? Uncircumcision. You are no longer, you're not special. You're not because you're only special if you put value on the law, not because you have the law. He now says, verse 26, Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? So if a person who is not righteous comes and does what, remember we said that the Jews, the Gentiles, who they don't have the law, but by their own conscience, they do things, they, since the same law you have as a Jew is written on their own hearts, there are things they can even decide to follow that heart and they will beat you who has the law that you are facing every day. Are you seeing that? Okay. Oh, my time is almost up. Okay, let's see if we can rush this in one minute. I will not... He said, and will not the fiscally uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, I transgression of the law, saying the same thing. 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision what or that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit. So you are seeing that he's saying the true circumcision, the true thing that makes special is actually a thing of the spirit. I, you know, in fact, I think. I'll just break it here because it's something I want to go into in details tomorrow. So, uh, from everything we've said so far, you can actually just make the summary that even if you're under the law or if you've had the laws or the regulations of God, it is not what makes you special. It is actually adherence to that. So, God's righteous standard had been revealed. Whether you had it in your heart or if you're a Jew, you had it um, written down in tablets of stone. There is no preference to God. It is his same righteous requirement. And we're going to see in um, subsequent uh, that text, as, as we study more, that Paul is setting both parties up to actually come to the end of themselves and embrace the righteousness that is by faith in Christ Jesus. So, guys, that is it for today. I'm done. I hope you learned something. If you did, why don't you share this with someone and help them to also understand these things and how to study their Bibles better. All right, guys, have a wonderful day. God bless you and bye-bye. If this blessed you or you want to say hi, 
or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien. Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to 0106-207-685. I'll say that again. 0106-207-685 GT Bank. God bless you.